This is our first talk of 2023. It seems like we're already like months of the year have gone by, uh, but really only a week. And uh, we're expecting another atmospheric bomb. Uh, that's B-O-M-B, not B-A-L-M. Uh, and it hasn't quite arrived yet, but uh, it certainly seems like it's impending. You can feel that heaviness in the air. So today we were going, today is the anniversary of Sojourn Roshi's, uh, second anniversary of Sojourn Roshi's passing. And we had hoped, uh, we had planned to uh, inter uh, a portion of his ashes uh, at his memorial stone in the garden back there. Uh, but uh, discretion being the better part of the weather, we've decided to postpone that for, for two weeks. And so we're planning to do that on the 21st. But I want to talk a bit about him today. First, just kind of a roundup of uh, some of the many things that are happening here in the next few weeks, just to let you know, many of you already know about this, but uh, on Monday morning uh, at 7.30, in the 7.30 Zazen period, uh, which will be welcoming people in person as well as hybrid this week, we are going to have uh, a lay entrustment uh, ceremony for Mary Durier, uh, who's sitting right there. Uh, she's going to uh, receive this entrustment as a as a lay as a lay teacher uh, in recognition of her practice, and uh, we'll also be presenting. Uh, the most recent Shuso, Gary Artim, with his uh, somewhat delayed Shuso Raksu, uh, which is a great pleasure as well. Uh, we've actually, we've had the Raksu for a while. We've been waiting for Gary to show up again. <laughs> but here he is. So that's Monday morning. You're welcome to, uh, to attend. It'll be a hybrid event. Uh, I am giving an upcoming class, which will begin next Thursday, and it'll be five Thursdays from 7.15 in the evening until 8.45. Uh, and I'm calling an introduction to, to Zen, uh, and the format that that's going to uh, utilize is uh, by speaking about five 
pivotal figures in our Zen and Soto Zen tradition, beginning with Bodhidharma, who is that uh, kind of bewildered or bewildering looking gentleman there in the corner, who is the, the Indian ancestor who came to China as the first ancestor of uh, Zen, the 28th in the lineage since uh, Shakyamuni Buddha. Uh, so Bodhidharma and then the sixth ancestor, Huineng, uh, and then Dungshan, who is one of the two uh, titular founders of Soto Zen, Dogen, um, who we study very frequently, and finally Suzuki Roshi. So we'll have a week uh, on each of them and we'll find some uh, some stories about them, some of their uh, primary teachings and some discussion about how their teachings apply to us today. So that's that'll be my class. You can sign up for that online. Uh, on Monday the 16th, we will be marking Martin Luther King Day and Jerry Oliva and I will be leading uh, a, uh, a day where we will study in the morning from about 8.30, I think. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have some zazen and we'll study a, a, a teaching of Dr. King's called the World House. Uh, and have some discussion about that. And then uh, we invite people to join us and we've, we're inviting our neighbors to do sort of neighborhood cleanup in, in the area. And you're welcome to join us for any of that. Um, as I said, uh, then on the 20th, oh, well, uh, oh, I missed their session on the 14th. Uh, on the 21st, we'll have the Sojourn's Ashes Interment, uh, and um, there's more going on. It's a really busy month. Uh, Lori and uh, Joe Buckner and I yesterday met with Charlie Wilson. Charlie Wilson is a is a Zen student, and he's uh, used to practice here, uh, and he's a sound engineer, and he has created this incredible system called Engage Wisdom, which is digitizing uh, lectures from all over uh, the country, but he's begun here in the Bay Area. He's in the process of digitizing. He's re-digitized all of Suzuki Roshi's lectures, which are now online. On uh, at San, You can reach that through San Francisco Zen Center. He's digitizing all of Zen Center's lectures, which are, there's 11,000 of them. Uh, all of Reb Anderson's lectures, and he has just completed uh, the digitization of all the material that we have given them, which amounts to 2,940 lectures uh, over uh, a roughly 40-year period. Uh, and this is, all, it's really amazing. We will, I'll post the link. It's also going to go up as a kind of mirror page on our website. So all of this is accessible. Uh, there are titles for every talk. You can search your by person. 
there is an audio file that's been that's been optimized so you can really hear everything clearly. It has one of those little gadgets like you can find on YouTube. So you can, if you want to listen to things quickly, you can speed it up, you can slow it down, and it maintains the pitch. And it's just you can you also there's a lot of metadata. And what we're going to do is uh, invite people to add and edit the metadata. Uh, and so we can kind of enrich in that archive. It's, it's really mind boggling when you look at it. So uh, we'll, we'll have, there'll be an article about it in the, both in the uh, community list and in the website. So uh, stay tuned for that. So let's just take a breath for a moment and change gears. As I said, Sojourn Roshi died uh, two years ago today. And it had me thinking uh, of a story that uh, is in the record of Master Dungshan. Uh, and some of you are, I'm sure, familiar with it. Uh, and when he had established himself uh, uh, on his on Mount Mount Dung, uh, he conducted a memorial ceremony and feast for uh, for his teacher Union. So while he was uh, doing this, a monk asked, what teaching did you receive when you were at Yunyan's place? And the master said, although I was there, I didn't receive any teaching. Monk said, well, since you didn't actually receive any teaching, why are you conducting this memorial? He answered, why should I turn my back on him? Now, Dungshan had an earlier teacher uh, who was also uh, a very well-known master in, uh, in the recorded lineage, Nanchuan. Uh, and so the monk persists in his question and says, if you began by meeting Nanchuan, why do you now conduct a feast, a memorial feast for Yunyan? Uh, Dungshan says, it is not my former master's virtue or Buddha Dharma that I esteem, only that he did not make exhaustive explanations for me, replied the master. This is a very persistent monk. He says, 
Well, since you're conducting this memorial feast for the former master, do you agree with him or not? And Dungshan said, I agree with half and I don't agree with half. And the monk said, well, why don't you completely agree? The master said, if I agreed completely, then I would be ungrateful to my former master. I've always identified with this, with this story. Uh, <coughs> Sojin Roshi did not give exhaustive explanations. Uh, he just said what he thought, he did his practice, and he demonstrated his practice to us. Uh, and often I agreed, and sometimes I didn't. And my agreements and disagreements are my agreements and disagreements. And yours are yours with Sojin or with any teacher. And still, Um, since he has died, pretty regularly he appears in my dreams. I don't know if any of you are having those experiences or similar experiences with other, other figures in your life. Uh, I don't take this as a... Uh, some kind of ghostly visitation, but as a reminder that there's still work that I'm doing with him, both on my understanding of the teachings and on our relationship, the complexity and intimacy of that, which uh, extended more than 35 years. So I actually had a dream about him on Thursday, Thursday night, uh, which was kind of in the lead up to uh, this ceremony that we were going to do today. Uh, so that was not so surprising. Uh, so as we were setting up for the ceremony in my dream, uh, the Zendo was full of mostly unfamiliar people, people I didn't recognize. Uh, and many of them didn't seem to know what to do or what was going on or where they were or how to take care of the forms. Uh, and uh, that's also been a recurring dream to me. <laughs> I don't I'm not exactly sure what what that means, but it's interesting. It's it's well, I'll, I'll get to it. I think I have some sense of it. Um, but Sitting in the Zendo, there was Sojin Roshi. He was sitting in his seat. 
here. And in his robes and looking very lively. Uh, and uh, I wondered, what's going on here? Wait, aren't we doing the memorial service for him? <laughs> what's, what's he doing here? <laughs> um, and I remember also in the dream, like, I had to get ready for this ceremony and uh, I had to put on my robes and I got completely tangled up in my robes. It's like, and it was taking, you know, the ceremony was supposed to go on and it was taking me like 45 minutes to put on my robes. Uh, so I suppose there's, I suppose that was to some, it was some degree of anxiety there. But, uh, but the realm of our situation as it has evolved, as it has evolved in the course of the pandemic and in the course of Sojin's illness and decline, um, so much is new and is unfamiliar to us. Uh, and at the many patterns of practice uh, that had really gone largely un, unchanged for many years, uh, they've been significantly altered. Uh, we've had to let them go, we've had to reform them, and wherever it's possible, we're, um, and wherever it's appropriate, we are making an effort to reestablish these forms in the practice. But in some ways, we can't expect to go backwards. We actually have to go forwards and incorporate, include whatever has changed into the heart of our practice. We've been in the middle of this pandemic now for three years. And along with just the the force of isolation and the and the health risks, just inevitably over three years, some of us anyway are getting older. And uh, that's just an inevitable reality. And so different people are showing up in the Zendo. Many of you, if I look around, there's a whole bunch of you that are new since the pandemic began, which is great. And there are people who used to be regulars who we don't see all the time, or we don't see in the Zendo. Sometimes we see them online, but they're, the circumstances have changed and they always have been changing. And several of the related teachings that I carry with me from Sojin, first of all, and I've talked about, I think both of these in the past, uh, so long ago to me, 
he did give me wasn't an explanation. It was an admonishment in which he said, you should let things fall apart. Uh, and that teaching was uh, an antidote to my anxious effort to hold things together, both for myself and also to want others to hold it together because I didn't feel comfortable when uh, when things got messy. It didn't feel safe to me. But I really took it to heart when he said you should let things fall apart. And that was more than 35 years ago. And it's a koan because then you're faced with the question, what do you allow to fall apart? And what do you make some effort to hold together? Um, and along with that teaching, uh, I really clearly remember a time in the Zendo uh, when I think somebody asked him, how did he feel about the way things were going? And he said, well, you know, things are going great, but in a moment they could just go Psh! And that seemed like a philosophical statement, like a, a statement about impermanence. Of course, this is a Buddhist truth. But it was several years before the pandemic and everything went. <laughs> and when that happened, uh, what's what Sojin Roshi did was he kind of just stepped back. You know, we we were not coming to the Zendo, so for for a little while he didn't come to the Zendo. He didn't come to online Zazen. Uh, I think you know he took the time to uh, look at the broad territory and then and figure out where he wanted to stand and after a little while he found how to teach in this pandemic age and also how to teach in the in the um in the face of his illness and uh i think those of us who attended his uh these kind of online uh evening sessions that he had uh pretty regularly for a time just saw how bright 
his Dharma light was, how clear, how clear a voice, the clear voice that he found after having let things fall, letting things fall apart, so that if you let things fall apart, actually, then you create space for them to come together again in a new way, in a creative way. And I think that that's, that's what I took to be, the, that's what I've taken to be the meaning of his teaching to me. You should let things fall apart. Uh, so how do we meet our own the circumstances of our life. Uh, some of us are at the, some of you are young and you probably feel invincibly strong. And some of us are uh, getting older and more raggedy around the edges and feel some decline in our physical and maybe mental abilities. How do we meet those changes, which are inevitable? How do we meet those, the changes that we're seeing in our society? You know, we've come to an age of division that Again, it's not what we would have imagined some years ago, you know. It felt like things were moving towards, hopefully moving towards a more harmonious place uh, and where we were cutting through some of the delusions and the, and the divisions uh, that had really been harmful to many people and many communities in the past, and that uh, maybe we were going to move past it, but evidently not. And so there still are crazy and deadly wars going on. There is violence, there's, you know, there's an epidemic of uh, guns in the streets, all kinds of things, all kinds of really troubling things and, you know, virtual deadlock in, in our government. I see that there is now a new Speaker of the House after 15 ballots uh, and I don't have a lot of enthusiasm about him, but uh, when one worries what deals were made to, to pull that off, but this is the world that we have. We can't turn our back on that. We can't turn our back on the actual conditions of our life. 
Sojin couldn't turn his back on the pandemic and he couldn't turn his back on the, the course of his own illness. Perhaps he could have said of his own teaching of himself, well, I half agree with me and half don't. <laughs> I think that's a really, that's a really good question for us all to consider, you know, what is it we think? And then as we've talked about recently, Again, as Sojin was teaching us, like, look at what you think, and then try to read the other side of the page. Try to see it from another perspective, from multiple perspectives. Do you agree with your teacher or not? Do you agree with yourself or not? Dukshan said, I agree with half and don't agree with half. Even the saints, are not saints. It's very important. I think one of the things that you see in the record of Dungshan was that, uh, and you see this throughout his record, uh, he did not teach idealization. He taught seeing things as they are. I feel like that is like one of the principal teachings that we receive from from our teacher. When I think about it, it seems that one could wonder whether he idealized Suzuki Roshi. And to an extent, perhaps he did. But he also was aware of Suzuki Roshi's shortcomings. And he welcomed and he developed, Sojin Roshi developed a really warm and uh, intimate relationship with Suzuki Roshi's son, Oitsu. And uh, it was wonderful to see them together. <clears throat> it was quite a few years since we've been, since they were together, but uh, I have never seen Sojin more, more relaxed or more joyful than when Oitsu was around. It was like 
wow, this is a different person. You know, it was great. And it opened doors and in uh, the way I understood him. Uh, it was really the childlike qualities that he had came forth. And Hoitsu, who was the son of Suzuki Roshi, uh, who loved Suzuki Roshi deeply, was very particular to about telling people not to idealize his father and to actually point out uh, the greatness of his teaching and the shortcomings of his fathering. So we can agree half or whatever portion and disagree half, and we should be doing that. That's also the meaning of not always so. So I don't have a lot more to say today. Um, but I wanted to bring Sojin into the room. Uh, you know, uh, I keep, I hope I keep having these dreams where he shows up. And, you know, I just say in these dreams, he's, um, somewhat critical. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because it's like, these are my dreams, right? Uh, I'm, I'm uh, bringing forth this character in my, in my psyche, but that's, that's where he is. And it's like, there's love, there's confusion, there's agreement, there's disagreement, and our practice is to include the whole thing, the whole catastrophe. So I'm going to stop there and leave time for questions, discussions, comments, uh, both in this room and, oh, are all those people in the, in the community room? Wow, that's that's great. This is this is a big crowd for for Saturday. Thank you all for showing up. It's really, uh, you know, our practice our practice is really thriving, even in the pandemic. And it could just go like that. Uh, but uh, what's happened is it's transformed. So I'm really grateful to everyone. There's there's about fifty people online too. So um, let's open up to the questions. Jerry. Well, what came up for me in this, uh, I agree with that, I don't agree with that, was um, after I've been practicing here for 10 years or so, I noticed there was a difference. Just speak up a little bit, please. I noticed that there was a difference in Sojin's teaching. 
when I first came, he would teach directly from Suzuki Roshi, and he would read Suzuki Roshi's line and maybe expound on it a bit. And as he began, as the years went by, he talked about Suzuki Roshi, but he he began to teach his own teaching. And the teachings changed, even the way he looked at Suzuki Roshi's teaching, the way he, he interpreted some of the stuff was different. So I said to him, I said, I said one day to him, um, your teaching has really changed. You've given up Suzuki Roshi. <laughs> and he just smiled. We have to find ourselves. I don't know. Did you hear? Did you hear what she was saying? Yes. Well, good. Uh, so, so uh, Jerry was saying that uh, while she was sitting here, after about ten years, she recognized that that Sojin's teachings, which had uh, previously been very much centered on Suzuki Roshi, uh, on reading and then interpreting, commenting on him uh, had uh, had changed. And she spoke to, to Sojin and, uh, and said that she noticed a change and, uh, and basically he agreed. Basically he, you know, he was in the process of finding himself, finding his voice. And we all should be in that process uh, in our lives. So thank you. Russ? Uh, thank you, Hosan. With regard to uh, half agree and half disagree, uh, could you say a little bit about if we're with a person, so-called in-person, having agreements or disagreements and sorting out our stories, how does, how does one work with that relative to, say, ruminating alone or being in a dream, so to speak, while sleeping? and having uh, these conversations. Do you, do you feel it's easier or more difficult in one way or another? You know, letting things be, and there's some magic that comes forward? I think it's a practice. For, for me, it's a practice that, that um, when I'm in a circumstance where I'm in not in agreement with someone, uh, What I, you know, my training, I think my cultural training has been to argue. Uh, you know, that's a certainly is a very New York Jewish kind of cultural training. Uh, and I don't enjoy it. You know, I'm trained in it and I may do it unconsciously, uh, but I know that it is not, it's not pleasant. So then what I have to do, the practice element is the practice of patience. Is like, if there's a disagreement to step back and tell the person, uh, may say, I don't fully understand, but I wanna step back and uh, really, turn this over in my mind and, and continue when I have clarity about what I think 
what what might you know which is not to say the disagreement goes away necessarily but uh i think the stepping back is to actually step back from the habitual response and from the emotional reaction to allow for some clarity to emerge so perhaps in a dream or uh just thinking while one is sitting alone in a room they have some of that stepping back quality to it yeah i mean the, in these in these these dreams you know which are some of them are full of they're certainly feeling laden uh i appreciate them because i feel like oh there's some there's internal work going on here that um needs to be done and it's like oh i can trust myself to do this work which is uh which i think is uh i'm grateful for it you know instead of getting caught in the reaction thank you uh, yeah, i'm gonna call somebody out there stephanie you hosan i really enjoyed your talk today i was thinking about um how your life has uh has changed over the last two years since sojin's uh passing could you say more about how you've been finding yourself? Because I see some changes going on in, in you. Well, I suppose it's true. Um, uh, one thing I find just on a, is I am very cognizant of evolving physical limitations that weren't there, which is uh, difficult. And learning to understand again, when to let things fall apart and when to go to the doctor, you know, uh, you know, not just accept this. Yeah. Uh, and I feel I try to be accountable to this community, and that's the prim primary, that's really like a, a central responsibility uh, that it's I've been given it and I've taken it on. And it means, you know, to keep asking myself, how do I provide, how do I, how am I stable in order to be stable for you. And uh, I think that allows for another mind, maybe a more spacious mind to emerge, I hope. But that's, maybe that's all I can say. Thank you. Charlie? Thank you so much, Hosan. This is uh, certainly one of uh, my favorite of all of your talks. Oh, thank you. During wakefulness, um, Sojin told you to let things fall apart, but did he have any advice in dreams, your dreams? 
he didn't muck about with my dreams, uh, except now. Uh, uh, but let me think of a second. Um, I feel like the message that I'm getting from the sojourn in my dream is What am I doing? What are you doing? You know, pay attention to what you're doing. And then there's a, there the, you know, not to overinterpret, not to make this, I mean, it's hard because I'm making this about me, uh, which is not the point, but it is the point of the dream. Uh, uh, you know, on the one hand, he's saying, I'm here. And on the other hand, he's saying, I'm here, <laughs> you know, so that there's, there's an, there's an ambiguity to that message, which is very rich. And I think that that's true of, of all the figures that we have at our unconscious mind, which is great. It's like, this is real creativity, you know, uh, <laughs> and everybody does it, you know, you don't have to be a, a novelist or a poet. It's like, you're doing it every night in your dreams. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Karen. You, it's been known that Suzuki Roshi was not a great parent. As um, Kuitsu has said, it's been written about. And I think Sojun was not a great parent either. Um, do you think one can be a great Zen teacher and a great yeah, I don't, I mean, um, it's clear to me that Suzuki Roshi and Sojin Roshi really loved their children. And that they did the best that they could. Uh, and this, I think, is part of the, the half agree and half don't agree. You know, I think that uh, Sojin Roshi fully accepted his students, except for the ones that he didn't. And that was, it was painful to see when there was somebody that um, one might feel he wasn't seeing. I can't say, you know, every one of us is a creature of our time, right? And uh, I know how I was raised. And honestly, I can't say that my parents were great parents or were very good at parenting, but I know that they loved us and I love them. And I learned from them, you know, I think Lori and I learned from our parents, like, okay, so how do we want to do this? And we were in a freer time, so we were able to function a little differently. Uh, 
And I don't know, it's very emotional. Um, there's something There's some kind of love that I received from him and from my parents that provided enough solidity to build on in terms of our relationship with our children. So I don't know that I've really answered your question, but Ah. We could talk about yeah, I think there's enough love to go around. Yeah. Uh, Mira. Um, thank you for this talk. It was very helpful for me. I wish I had heard this talk 30 years ago because I did not have that understanding that you could have a great and have disagree. Mm. I thought you had to at least be 80-20, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> but this 50-50 thing, I didn't know you could go with. So I feel like I've been a peripheral member of this sangha because I guess I'm 50-50. So now I see that's okay. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being here. I really feel, I really feel you're showing up. And that's, that's really wonderful. I mean, I feel like I've seen you around from almost the beginning. And there's something different happening, you know. Well, some of it's because of you. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> I see a hand in the, in the community room. We'll take a couple more than we have to end. Preston. Yeah, I see Preston too. Uh, see how it looks like. Good morning. Morning. Um, what you said about parents has left me kind of, ooh, kind of shaky. Um, I wasn't, and about there being enough love to go around. It's like, wow, <laughs> really touched me. Um, what I wanted to ask you, though, it was related to language, and I was getting a little stuck. <clears throat> I'm just going to take a second. I'm still shaky. Hmm. What do I do? Do I ask you right now about like semantics or do I just sit here and cry? What? It's your choice. <laughs> mm. But if you don't want to do it now, we can find another time very shortly. Well, now I want to ask you the question. Okay. <laughs> Um, it has to do with semant maybe semantics. 
I was getting stuck on agreement and disagreement. So when I hear agreement, I think about two different ways of hearing that. Uh, I agree with you, we both have the same idea about a particular thing. And then agreement, you and I have decided this is how we're gonna move forward. We have this agreement. Is that clear, the two different? I hear what you're saying, yeah. Okay, and then the second one is disagreement. I disagree with you. We don't have the same position about such and such thing. Or we're having a conflict, something like that. Right. So given these, this little grid I've put together in my head, do you have any guidance or wisdom or just don't get stuck on it? I... Well, I want to give you an example, if that's if that's. Oh, that's always helpful. Yeah. So, for example, um, this is this is it's hard for me to talk about. Um, let me propose that. I don't think Sojin Roshi and I had the same idea uh, about um, same ideas about what skillful leadership would be like for the community. And you know, he came from a time and a model where there was in a Zen community, there was a really, there was a central pivotal figure uh, who was the, the teacher or the abbot, whatever. And I come from a time when I was shaped by uh, collective and collaborative models, right? So does that make sense so far? Um, yep. So, what I've learned to do, even now, I'm still really thinking about what I learned from him or what I saw from him, that even though my training was such that I had a sort of different model, I also entertained the idea he might be right. His idea of leadership might be the appropriate model for a community like ours. I don't know that that's the case, but I really feel like agreeing, half agreeing, half disagreeing, allows me to raise the question, at least for me, in a creative way. Mm -hmm. Does that respond to your question? Well, what I'm hearing, yeah, what I'm hearing is there is um, the first type of agreement and disagreement. And specifically, there wasn't the second type of disagreement. There wasn't conflict. It was just you saw things different ways. Right, which is not to say that there wasn't conflict. Mm -hmm. It did not eliminate all conflict. But again, to go back to the, the point a question ago, 
the conflict existed within the field of love. Mm -hmm. And so it was tempered by love, by gratitude. You know, it's like everything that he gave me over so many years, I'm grateful for that. And I know that he was grateful for the incredible gifts of everybody here who was giving to him. You know, there's this, there's this field of merit, this field of giving. And so even if there's conflict, it takes place within that. So, you know, I think this is, I'm sorry, Preston, we can talk. I think this is just to respect the time. Uh, this is a good place to end. So thank you all very much. And uh, let's have a, a good year and bring forth peace and harmony. <laughs>